to a life-changing encounter with the Word of God, presented to you by Rev. Bright Nkrumah, the senior pastor of the Kodesh Family Church, Bronx North. He is an anointed pastor and teacher of the Word of God, affecting many lives. Now get ready to be transformed by this message. Well, we want to share the Word of God for a short time and we will dedicate this great gift. So why don't you stand up with me for a moment and let us bow our heads for a word of prayer, please. Father, we are grateful and thankful this afternoon. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given us to minister to us this afternoon. We pray, Lord, that you give us hearts that are receptive to your word open our minds open our ears open our eyes that we will behold wondrous things out of thy law we pray lord that we do not leave this place the same as we came but let there be a transformation in our lives in jesus name amen now why don't you sit on top of your enemy and this Afternoon, I want to continue sharing with you. We are in status 527, and we have been sharing from the book Many Are Called, written by our own father, the prophet Bishop Daggyward Mills. And I have been blessed from the messages that we have shared these past weeks. And today, I'm going to continue sharing from the same book. And I'm going to talk to you. We've been talking about many are called. That many people are called to do the work of God. Many people are called. God has called many people to do his work. But we realize also that not many people respond to the call of God. The scripture says in Matthew 22 and verse 14, it says, Many are called but few are chosen many are called but few are chosen and of course when you are called and you do not respond you will not be chosen so the ones that respond are very few and therefore few are chosen now today i'm going to share with you 10 reasons why people do not use their talent Reasons why people do not use their talent. Is it a good message? Yes. yes. Would you like to know why you do not use your talent? Yes. yes. Wonderful. So turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 25, and verse number 14. Matthew, chapter 25 and verse 14 and um, i want all of your attention we're going to read this uh, bit of a passage and i want your attention it says for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods and unto one he gave five talents to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. 
Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of, the, of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there is thy talent. Please, let's finish reading first. He says, the, I was afraid, go back, I, and I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast this time. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming, I should have received mine own with Ezra. Ezra is interest. It's an old word for interest. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the angels with him, then shall ye sit upon the throne of his glory. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Wonderful. Well, this is a very, very interesting story. Here is a man who traveled and gave different talents to his servants or different gifts to his servants. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two. And to another person, he gave one. And these servants went and did whatever they wanted with the gifts. The person with the five talents traded with the gift and came back with five more talents. The other one with the two talents came back with two more talents. But the one who had one talent came back and said, well, I hid the talent. You gave me one talent. I hid it somewhere. And I, he brought the same one talent back to him. I didn't do anything with it. 
So you see in this story that God has given everyone something to do. He has given each one of us a calling or a talent. Hallelujah. Now this story is a most vivid, it's one of the most vivid illustrations of how God endows us with various gifts. How God endows everyone with various gifts and talents. Some people, five, some, two, others, one. Now, some people just simply do not do anything with the talents that God gives them. They don't do anything. They hold on to the talents that God gives them. And we want to share some of the reasons why many people do not use their talents. We want to share from this story why some people do not use their talents. And there are a lot of reasons in this story why people do not use their talents. We may not be able to go through all of them, but I want to give you the first one is that the gift or talent is too small. The gift is too small or the talent is too small. So many people do not obey the call of God or they do not use the talent that God has given them because they think the gift is too small. They think the gift is too small in their own eyes. They look at others who have received five talents, others with two talents, and they look at their one talent and decide not to do anything. Amen. You may have been called to be a pastor of a small church, a pastor of a small congregation, but then you look at great men, great men of God like Benahane, You look at great men of God like T.D. Jakes or Joel Osteen and you look at such huge churches and you despise the one talent that God has given you for a small congregation. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? I could have easily despised my calling if I was looking at such churches. Hallelujah. I said I could have easily despised my calling if I was also looking at such churches. Hallelujah. Perhaps God has called you to sing, but you are looking at such stars like Hillsong stars who sing and have million dollar albums and you despise your singing ability that God has given to you. You look at someone singing and you say, I can't sing like this person and it makes you despise your singing ability. Hallelujah. This man felt, this man with one talent, he thought to himself that this is too small. It's too small to make any significant impact. And so he did nothing with it. He felt it was better, his time would better be served if he just relaxed than waste his time with this one talent. So he kept it and he brought it back. Hallelujah. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Despising your talent because it looks so small in your eyes is one of the greatest spiritual mistakes you can ever make. Hallelujah. I could have been sitting in the Manhattan church today and still receiving. Hallelujah. But 
I believe you have heard some of the most amazing messages in this church. I believe many lives have been transformed under my small ministry. Amen. But I could have been sitting in a Manhattan church and despised that small gift that God has given to me. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Maurice, God has given everyone something to do. Hallelujah. God has given everyone a talent. Amen. Now, if you despise the talent that God has given to you, you'll be amazed to realize that he will require something from you. The servant was surprised when the master came and called him also, just as he called the one with the five talents and the one with the two talents, he was also called to give account of what he has done with that talent. Amen. Amen. You see, in the Bible, if you take Luke, for instance, Luke was a, um, was, a, was a doctor. He was a physician. So he could have considered the great works, the great writings by Matthew, by John, by Mark. He could have considered these great writings, these people who were closely working with Jesus, who wrote exactly what they saw and what they experienced. He could have looked at that and despised his own ability to write. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? And we would have lost all the accounts that is in the book of Luke. Look at Luke chapter 1. What he said when he was introducing his book. He said, For as much as many have taken in hand. Are you with me? Do I have your attention? He said, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. Do you see? These were eyewitnesses, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, such as Matthew, such as Mark, such as John. They were writing, they were eyewitnesses, and they were ministers of the word. They were preachers. We didn't hear of Luke preaching anywhere. Are you with me? So he says, he he was considering, he said, for as much as many have taken in hand, many have set forth, many have written these things down. They have written all these accounts down. They have written all these declarations down, which we all believe. We believe amongst us. Even as they delivered them unto us, from which the big, from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Then he says, It seemed good to me also. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first to write unto thee in order. It seems good to me. It just seems good to me. I feel it is appropriate for me also to write. You see, when it seems good to you to do something, God is giving you something to do. Amen. Amen. When you feel in your heart to do something, 
God is giving you something to do. He says, it seems good to me also. It seems good to me also. Having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order. Most excellent Theophilus, that thou mayest mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. It seems good to me. So I will also write. And then he started writing. He started writing. Now, the most detailed account of Jesus' birth was written by Luke. If we're talking about the most detailed account of Jesus' birth, we get them from the book of Luke. And we would have lost all of that if Luke did not write. If Luke had looked at his small talents and said, look at great writers like John and Luke and, and Matthew and Mark. And he would have despised his writing. But Jesus' childhood, no one wrote about Jesus' childhood like Luke did. Vivid account. Look at the story about Elizabeth and Zechariah. What an encouraging story. What a marvelous story. No one wrote it, but Luke wrote them. Amen. Amen. When we are talking about beautiful Christmas stories, beautiful Christmas stories that we have in our churches on occasion of the Christmas, we go to the book of Luke. And he could have despised his gift. He could have despised the small talent. And we would have lost the whole book of Luke. Amen. You see, in our world, anything that is small is despised. We despise anything that is small. We despise small houses. If a house is small, we despise it. We despise small cars. Are you with me? We despise anything that is small. We despise, you say, which town do you live in? You live in this small town here. No one has known the name. No one has heard the name. They despise it. We despise small countries. We despise small men and small women. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? He says, which one? He said, that six foot. You see that, that man that is in the back. And then that is what we adore. That tall, six-footed man with a broad chest that is wearing that suit. You know, and we despise small men and small women. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? And that is the world that we live in. But it is not so in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, small things are cherished. Jesus taught us to respect small things. Jesus shared with us in the book of Matthew, chapter 13 and verse 31. He says, in the kingdom of heaven, it is like a grain of a mustard seed. Now, the grain of mustard seed is a very small seed. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. Which indeed is the least of all seeds. A mustard seed is the smallest seed of all plants. And Jesus likens the kingdom of heaven to such a seed. He says, but the man will take and then he will grow it. He will plant it. 
But when it is grown, when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the bears of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. In the kingdom of heaven, things appear very small. But when you have respect for that small thing, the Bible says it becomes a magnified tree. Hallelujah. So God likes despised things. God likes small things. God likes men who are despised. Hallelujah. God likes men who are rejected. The person that men do not consider, do not value, God values such people. And do you know why? Because when you are despised, when you are not welcome, when you are not great, there is some kind of character that comes in you, and it's called humility. When you are despised, you receive humility. You find humility in you, and humility is very attractive to God. It says without humility, without having that spirit, without having that characteristic, you cannot ever please God. Amen. So people who are proud have no value for God. People who seem to have everything, they have no value for God. People who don't pray about what they will eat, they have no value for God. But you see, you will not have value for God until something as small as an oxygen, oxygen that is in the air, when it's withheld from you, you will begin to have value for God. You begin to have value for God. Amen. Amen. People have no value for God. But God will value small things always. Hallelujah. Because the smallness makes you humble. The smallness makes you humble. It is the proud person who does not value small things. This man was proud. And so when he was given one talent, he thought it was too small to do anything with it. And had no value for the small talent. God likes small things. In our world, we value big things. But in the kingdom of God, small things are valuable. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26, the Bible says, brothers and sisters, I read from the NIV. It says, brothers and sisters. Do I have your attention? Wonderful. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. When you were called. When you were called. God calls small people. God calls the least amongst people. He says, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. You will not be chosen by human standards. You will not be considered as wise when men look at you. But God sees a great and a wise person. Hallelujah. He says, Many, not many were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. You see, the people that God is calling, they don't appear to be influential. It is not many called, not many of those who are called were influential. Not many were of noble birth. You see, we don't know your name. We don't know who you are. Amen. You don't have a great name. You are not of noble birth. 
but you are the kind that God likes. I say you are the kind that God will choose. He says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God intentionally chooses people who are despised. God intentionally chooses people who feel so small in their eyes. So when you feel so small in your eyes, when you feel like you have nothing to offer, you are the kind that God will choose to use. When in your own eyes, you don't feel so big. He said, God chose the weak. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. The things that are despised, they are the things that God will choose. And the things that are not, the things that are not valuable, the things that are not considered as important, they are the things that God will choose. To nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. That is the reason. That is the reason. That you will not boast before him. That no man will glory in his presence. Hallelujah. So 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I'm almost done with my preaching. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You are not valuable when we look at the outside. You are like earthen vessel. You are not of golden vessel. You don't look like a silverware. You are like earthenware. But it says that we have a treasure in that earthenware. When you avail yourself as a nobody, when you avail yourself as a despised person, when you avail yourself as a weak person, God's treasure comes in you. He places his anointing in you. He places his spirit in you. When you will avail yourself only. So he says, we have this treasure. There's treasure. But when you look at the outside, you will despise it. And the Bible says, God does that intentionally. God chooses such people intentionally. There is an earthen treasure. There is a a treasure in the earthen vessel. And that the excellency, the reason is that the excellence of the power, the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The excellence of the power. Yes, you are despised. Yes, you are earthen. But there will be some excellence coming out of you. There will surely be an excellence. Because there will be treasure in you. The treasure will bring some excellence about you. So no matter who you are, you say you can sing. Avail yourself and stand before the children of God to open your mouth to sing. God will place that treasure in you. That what will come out of you is just an excellent thing. It's just a beautiful thing. And that glory, God does that, that he will receive glory for himself. Amen. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen. You know, King David, he was chosen by God. But David was not chosen by three important people in his life. Three important people in his life, they will not choose David. 
His own father did not choose him. Are you, are you, are you with me? His own father will not choose him. When the prophet Samuel was sent to his father's house to choose a king, David was in the field watching the sheep. And his father summoned all his brothers. He summoned all the brothers dressed nicely, presenting them before the prophet. And each one will pass. Each one will pass. Each one will pass. And God did not choose any one of them. And the prophet Samuel, David's own pastor, the prophet Samuel will not choose David. The prophet will not choose David. You see, men go by man's standards. So sometimes pastors not even will not choose the person who is the least amongst us. Sometimes you say, oh, but this person just came. This person has been around for a while. Sometimes you think the person who has been around for a while, it will be the right person. So Samuel also, looking amongst them, and he saw Eliab come by and said, this must be the one. Because in man's eyes, when you are big and tall, that is the one. You are the one that fits for the kingship. You are the one that looks like a king. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? But it was none of them. It was none of them. So someone was wondering, this is the house that God sent me. The king must come from this house. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else amongst these great young men? He says, oh, there is David. David is, um, the, 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 David is in the backyard. He's watching the sheep. Say, call him. Call him. Bring him. We will not sit down until he's here. And when David came, the Lord said, this is the one. This is the one. If God is choosing a man, he chooses the one that man despises. Men have rejected. The one that men will not choose. He says that, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of man. God chooses the least, the weak, to despise the strong. Amen. When there was war and the, the, uh, the Philistines were fighting the people of Israel, Goliath came with his army and everyone was afraid. In 1 Samuel chapter 17. Everyone was afraid. They saw this giant. And David's three brothers were also there. Eliab, Shammah, and the others. The older ones. They had gone to the army and they were on the field. And David's father sent him. Because that is all David is good for. Take some food to your brothers who are on the, the war field. And then he went. He was watching the sheep. His father called him and brought him. And then he took the food and then he went to the field. And when he got there, he saw Goliath defiling the army of God. And then he asked the people, he said, who is this guy? Who is this man? Who is this? And they told him, this is the man who has defiled Israel for years. Then his brothers heard that David was talking to these people, inquiring about who Goliath was. So they came and they said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You don't belong here. 
Look at the men that are here. Do you find your type here? Do you find your type here? He says, I know you just want to be here to just see things for yourself. You, 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 you just want to be here. And he despised him. But David went on to inquire. And even the king, King Saul, he said, you cannot fight this man. You cannot fight this man. David said, I can. Because there is someone whose battle this is. This war belongs to someone and he fights his own battle. The work is called the work of God. It is called the work of God and not the work of man. He says, I know this person. When he takes a war upon himself, he fights it. He just needs weak men to use so that you can see that he's the one that is fighting. He says, I've seen him in action. I've seen him, how he has used me to kill a bear and to kill a lion. I have seen him in action. So allow me to fight this man. So if you look at 1 Samuel 17 and I believe verse 37, you see that now Saul arming him. Saul said, well, none of these men, all these men, none of them are willing to fight him. So if you want to go, Let us make a sacrifice of you. But let's just arm you so that you look like a real soldier. So the Bible says, and Saul armed David with his armor. And he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David gathered his sword upon his armor and he said to go. He stepped forward. He stepped forward to go. For he had not proved it. That means he had never tried this before. When he walked with God, he never tried these things. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with this. For I have not proved them. And David put them off. He was trying to go. He was armed. Heavy metallic coats. With helmets. And he stepped. He says he assayed to go. He wanted to move but he couldn't. They wanted to make him look like a soldier in the eyes of man. They They wanted to make him look like a warrior in the eyes of man. But God does not fight his battle with men that are warriors. God fights his own battle. So if you will avail yourself, then God will disarm you. God will disarm you of your strength. He will disarm you of your power. He will disarm you of your intellect. He will disarm you of who you are. And then you become a vessel fit for the master's use. And when you become that vessel, he will fill you with that treasure. With that treasure. So David took everything off. And the people didn't understand. So what are you doing? So he said, he said, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script. And his sling was in his hand and he drew nigh to the Philistine. And God will use this. 
God will use this to win the battle so the excellence of the power may be of God and not of man. Put your hands together for the Lord. We don't have a lot of time. You want to pause here. Why don't you stand to your feet for a moment. Stand to your feet. We want to pause here. Father, we are thankful. We are grateful. We thank you, Lord. Forgive us, Father, that we have despised the calling, the gifts, the talents. Lord, there's so much that you have placed in us. But we have despised the calling. We have despised the giftings. But this afternoon, Lord, we avail ourselves once again. And we pray, oh God, use us just as we are. Use us just as we are. In the name of Jesus. Father, we have compared our talents to the one that has five. And to the one that has two. And we have despised our one talent. But this afternoon, Lord, we see how you use one talent to fight your battles. We avail ourselves, Lord. Use us in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit this afternoon. In the name of Jesus. Now with all eyes closed and every head bowed, you are here this afternoon. You are not born again. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Christ. Pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that is your prayer, you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Master and as your Savior. Wherever you are, just lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. There is a day that is coming. Beloved, we do not believe it. We hear it. And it's as if it's a fairy tale. We do not believe it. But there is a day that is coming. There is a day that is coming. That we are going to find ourselves. Not in this world anymore. We are going to find ourselves in another world. Beloved, we were not just created and born into this world and we just die and that's the end. It's like a child that is born. When a child is in the womb, it sounds as if that is the end of life for that child. It's as if there's no other life besides the womb. But come one day, that child is born into another world. And the way you are born into that world is the way it's going to be. You cannot go back. To repair it. There is a day that is coming. That this life is going to end. And you are going to enter into another phase of life called eternity. Are you prepared to enter into that phase? You can make that salvation sure. You can make that preparation this afternoon. By giving your life to Christ. By receiving Jesus Christ as your savior. And you are here and you are saying... If I die, I'm not sure what is going to happen. You know, I have seen that many people, when they are dying, the reality of eternity becomes alive to them. When people are sick on their hospital beds and they are dying, even the one who has never believed in God, you find them looking for Bibles and wanting to hear something about the Word of God. 
just as when we are born we need a pastor to pray over our lives and to dedicate our lives and when we are dying we are also looking for a pastor to be at our funeral it should tell you that there is God from the beginning and there is God at the end today you can make that salvation sure and receive Jesus as your savior that when you die you can rest assured that you will also be with the father in heaven the reality of heaven and hell it shall be made manifest when we depart this life but when you leave this life you can come back to fix it today you are saying pastor pray with me I want to receive Jesus as my savior wherever you are with all eyes closed and every head bow just lift up your right hand quietly and I'll pray with you is there anyone here like that you want to receive Jesus as your savior perhaps somebody just invited you to this dedication but God meant to meet you here this afternoon is there anyone here like that you want to receive Jesus as your savior why don't you all join me and let's say this prayer together and say Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus thank you for dying for me, thank you for dying for me. this afternoon I come to you just as I am Lord Jesus forgive me of my sins cleanse me purify me Lord Jesus I believe you are the son of God I believe you died on the cross I believe you rose again on the third day this afternoon I welcome you into my life be my Lord be my master be my savior please write my name in the book of life thank you Jesus for saving me today in Jesus name Amen We believe you have been blessed with this powerful message come worship with us at Kodesh Family Church located at 1734 Williamsbridge Road Bronx, New York at 12pm every Sunday God bless you I see